Welcome to the worst nightmare of all. Reality. Explore the lesser-known stories of our unknown world. Join the pursuit of the paranormal with Ash and Greg. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pursuit of the Paranormal. I, at this point, I would normally say, "Hey, Ash, how are you doing?" But nothing to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, fortunately, Ash has taken unwell, as they oh. say, um, and is not feeling great. So, um, it's it's left to me and uh, my guest to run the show tonight. So. This will be interesting. So welcome along, Dave. Dave Smethurst. Everybody who's listened to the show before will have heard you on the roundtables on other, po- uh, other episodes we've done. So, yeah, we it's just me and you tonight, Dave. Yeah, well, that's good. I mean, pity Ash is not there, but he just said he, he was, uh, he didn't say he was indisposed, but now I gather he is. He said he had to step out, I think was the phrase he used to me earlier in the day yeah. or earlier this evening. So I, I had to know that, that I'll shed a new light on that. Really. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. I thought of a better backstory where sort of uh, I was knitted together by Frankenstein, i.e. <laughs> UFO thinker. you know, on Pendle Hill, you know, from the yeah. various different body parts. So he had somebody to talk to ufology about you know in 2017 <laughs> but i realized it didn't fly really so i'll have to stick to my original story <laughs> yeah awesome but yeah thanks for for coming on again it's oh, always okay. a great chat and you know i message you on twitter and and tell you that it's always a great chat when we're mm. we're in a good old chin wag as the english say on on the podcast episodes and we can talk for england so mm. what are we going to discuss tonight dave well, what I thought we'd do, and something we've sort of talked about a little bit, is talk about the subject of crypto-terrestrials. Yes. And uh, and there's quite a lot to it, uh, quite interesting. Uh, and we'll just see where we get to. I mean, we might end up, depending on how much we chinwag, which might be a lot, we might have to do uh, in two parts. But we'll just see where we get to, because there's loads cool. of interesting stuff. Yep. And it ties together a lot of stuff in the field. So... What I'll do, uh, I'll go through a bit of a, I'll just do a bit of an introduction to it and then we'll just set it as go and we'll just see how, see how we go from there. You, you just dive in as normal, yeah. correct? It, it is one of those subjects that some people know about. I've got a slight interest in, as in, there's, you've got the UFO people, you've got the cryptid people, you've got the paranormal yeah. people, and um, people like you and, and me to a certain extent are fascinated by not just what's happening now, but what has happened a long time before, and what what we're being, what's being held back, why it's being held back, um, and anybody that has looked into ancient civilizations and that kind of thing will we'll kind of get what we're going to talk yeah. about. And, but I hope it it brings new light to people who haven't really dabbled in it because it's it's almost a ma- like it, well, it is a cover-up, essentially. Especially when when you go about all the information uh, and let talking through that, I think it's it's one of those areas that once people have a little listen to this episode and go, oh, actually, that's a bit that's a bit weird. And why why is this happening? Why is that not happening? So I think we might find 
some people this will be a new direction for them that they'll they'll start looking into so yeah i'm yeah. fascinated to I, I, yeah that's a really really about. good point actually and i think that uh it has the potential to offer a bit you know they've got the unified theory of physics mm-hmm. well in a way and we'll get onto it later on uh, if we get to the i want to do a bit of a profile of uh cryptos as i'm saying various different things uh but actually ties together a lot of things like cryptids and a number of other things and it'll be interesting to see what people think about that but that's a bit of a way off yet but it's a, yeah but it is one of them things so i mean i uh i basically uh i wrote an article uh funny enough, i put it on ufo identified with ash now i originally wrote it for liberation times in december 2021 me and yeah. chris have been talking about it for a bit and we just wanted to put it on and i did it as what they like to call in uh, the chattering classes a counterfactual, whereby you take an existing scenario and you just redefine it a little bit and see if anything else fits. What if uh, Hitler would have won the war? What if, I don't know, your Pearl Harbor didn't happen, that sort of thing, or whatever. But it's really interesting just to take the facts and try and, is there another alternative explanation for what we see in the UFO field? Because it's very useful because there's so many strands in it these days. And it's so complex, it's quite a useful exercise. So uh, I'm not saying what I'm saying is true, uh, but it does offer an interesting alternative to the classic extraterrestrial hypothesis. And listening to you and Ash and a lot of the chats, I was thinking about a chat I listened to you guys having last year about the different theories. And there are so many competing theories now, it is interesting just to be able to look at the facts. Mm -hmm. Now, more specifically... uh, I actually remember what really got me. Anyway, what happened was I did this article, Liberation Times, but I wasn't quite happy with it because it was a good article, but like anything, you haven't got enough time, you haven't got enough space. So I did this big article, and Ash was good enough to put it on his site, and it covered a lot more stuff that we're going to get into tonight, really. So, But what really set me down that road, there's a fellow called Mac Tonage, which I'll get into in a minute, but he sort of created this idea of crypto terrestrials, which I'm going to describe for people in a little bit and so i and his book come out it was around 2010 i remember catching up about two years later and just seeing it but then you may remember sometime about probably 2018 19 lou elizando he mentioned i did an interview randy mcgrill on that ufo podcast i mentioned humankind's Mm-hmm. And uh, he also mentioned a book called Change of the Sea. Now, Humankind was a reference to maybe we've got somebody else with us on the planet. And this Change of the Sea is about is a book, a sci-fi book, about different races we don't see living on the planet. So it was a bit of, it felt to be a bit of a hint. So I sort of, uh, I sort of revisited, and I thought I immediately thought of the crypto stuff and some of the links in, as you know, I'm into it, ancient civilizations. Mm-hmm. So I sort of uh, got into it that way. Uh, so I've really been looking at it ever since, really, in parallel to the other stuff we look at. So, uh, yeah, so that was where we were with it. So I thought I might first just go into the core sort of crypto-terrestrial theory and then we'll see where, where we go from now. Was that sound? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely. We'll, we'll go, with, yeah. uh, go, with, go with you and I'll, I'll dive in. Yeah, when you wish. Got, yeah, 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 cool. Right. Well, I'm going to start with a quote from, and I'm not being whatever, what's the word, hubristic or whatever the word is. I think I'm running out of words myself with that one. But anyway, <laughs> uh, a quote from my own article to start, because I thought I read it 
the other day when I was thinking about this, and I thought it's quite good, and it sort of sums up the crypto thing. It's, and this is there. What if the others are not really others, but brothers, or at least cousins, who have been sharing this planet with us for millennia, having realised that the planet suffers regular catastrophes? They moved underground tens of thousands of years ago and left the surface dwellers to it, popping back occasionally to see what's happening and perhaps to influence events. So that, in a nutshell, sums up the crypto crypto terrestrial hypothesis yep. after this I, I, now basically it's a book written by Mac Tonis in 2010 and it was called crypto terrestrial now he died shortly after that I'm not sure if he died to, uh, I, I, hopefully it wasn't one of those uh, suspicious things but it was one of a rare cancer a very rare form of cancer wow. yet again but I, I I haven't delved into the dodgy side of that or whatever but uh because there's some people I do think have been off like that. But anyway, well, let's not go down, go down that route. But basically, very unfortunately, he died. And I think they found the manuscript in his papers, along with as a book will come out later on about his diaries as well. But anyway, he was a real forward thinker, and he was very good at turning situations on the head and looking at things anew. And he was very interested in a wide range, and he's a real loss to the community. Anyway, so he wrote this short book called Crypto Terrestrial. It's only 140 pages. You can get it on Amazon. I'd advise anybody to give it a read. So this is what he said, basically. There was a sister humanoid race living on the planet. Crypto terrestrial just means secret earth dwellers for people. That's my that's my translation mm-hmm. of it, anyway, what it means, secret earth dwellers. So there's a sister human race living on the planet with us. It actually split from humanity many thousands of years ago lives largely underground because of repeated cataclysms, and that's why they moved, chose to move underground at some point. They've got high tech compared to us. Uh, look like us, sort of. Some interesting talk about how much they look like us. Maybe they look a bit different. Low in numbers, but they seek to keep themselves hidden because they're low in numbers. And and uh, it's a sort of secretive and some sort of misdirection as well, which I'll get into. And they occasionally influence human affairs in their interests. So there okay. you go. You've got this secret core group we don't know about. Uh, Inter- yeah, interesting. And uh, <clears throat> I know you're going to come on to it, I think, but yeah, no, the I- influencing their like humankind... Um, to help them. Um, do you, do you mentioned about what these these are like um, human like sister humans? Um, people are talking about what they look like now. If they've been underground for ten thousand, like thousands and thousands of years, do do you think they've sort of adept, um, adapted a slightly larger eye, which could amount well, to what well, what well. people are. Well we'll, well, well, we'll get on to Have that. I jumped ahead? No, no, jumped no, 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 but it's okay. worth saying now because I was weighing up whether to say it at this point anyway. Mm. Okay. Yes, yeah, so, so the, the, there's a bit of a variance of it. And Toners himself thought there was like different variations because he did think there'd been sort of appearance, attrition and change through living underground. But he, he theorised there was some who looked very much uh, like us and could pass for us. But a lot of them as well uh, looked, had uh, bigger eyes, twice the size, longer faces, longer noses, taller cheekbones, 
a lot of them were blonde, tall, and we'll get onto all that. But and, and some of them all were darker in appearance, uh, Asiatic in appearance. But again, you know, tall got bigger over time. So, yeah, there is a particular type, and, and we'll get onto it in a second. But he, he, there was some sort of genetic deterioration. So there was some who looked like us, and some of us weren't. And other profiles we'll get onto much later on. Say there may be a couple of different times. So I think it's entirely reasonable to assume that yeah. there's quite a bit of variation. There because depending on when they split from humanity and the conditions, mm-hmm. there could well be that there's diff, you know people do look quite different as well, and it's a small population as well. So it's, yeah, so so it's a bit up in the air that, but yeah, yeah. they look like us but different, a bit like so, hybrids actually, Greg. Okay, look like. okay. So it's interesting because I, I just suddenly thought of something that I saw on the news within the last couple of years that um, humans are still evolving. So there are the kids now, there's a lot of children being born without wisdom teeth. Really? I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Fact. So people are being born now without wisdom yeah. teeth because there's no use for them. Yeah. So yeah. Um, humanity is is evolving over, that's within our well, lifetime. Michael so. Masters, because one of the criticisms, you know, he does that temporal thing where they're coming back from the future and they look a bit like greys and people say, well, how can we... How come we? He's estimated the time they're coming back from based on the amount of change that they've undergone. But in the course of that conversation, he does say humans are evolving. That same conversation, mm-hmm. and, and environmental factors may well mean quicker evolution. Because I remember a lot of people have said, "Come on, Michael, it's hundreds of thousands of years in it, or tens of thousands, not just twelve mm-hmm. or something." So he said, "No, ever." So that was that's an that's an interesting. So that is. Certainly, he's an expert in that, and he thinks there could be quite significant change yeah. over time. So, yeah, and, I, and if you, as I say, depending on when they split off, hmm. uh, that's very interesting. And just for the listeners, there's loads of stuff to all this. So, I, I'm, I'm sort of doing shorthand a little bit just to get through it because so we could because we could get into all these things quite deeper. So, they'll have to take a little bit on faith, but there's yeah. a bit behind it, as it were, even if it's you know. Uh, but because uh, I'm just trying to give the bare bones of what he's saying there, but hopefully we'll got, there'll be enough detail that they, they can develop the thoughts. And they can, they can see the uh, we'll put the link to the article. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, on yeah. ufoidentified.co.uk. Uh, the, there's a good reading list at the end of that article. A uh, load of books on it as well. They can read, and we cool. can do an, uh, some more in depth. So yeah, we interested. can. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, yeah. anyway, so so let's so we go back to that sister human race split from humanity, live underground, high tech, low numbers, secret keep self-secret, and occasionally influence human affairs. Now, not always, Greg, as we'll come to see, maybe not always in our interest, but we'll get on to that. But it does fit the UAP facts quite well in some ways, but we observe. So we've observed in the phenomena craft that change over time. We had the airships in the 18, you know, late 19th century. Then we had rockets. Then we had saucers. Then we had the the, the tic-tacs. The, the ships have kept changing and they've kept pace rather subtly with our techno- technology. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. Also, these human-looking creatures, which is quite unlikely if you think about it, that they would look human if they're coming from another evolutionary path on another planet. Their origin stories, they keep telling people they encounter, keep, keep pace with our scientific understanding. Uh, so, so there were fairies in the Middle Ages, as it were, Mm-hmm. Then they come from Mars when we didn't know much about the solar system. Then as then it's distant star systems, then it's different galaxies. 
basically the story keeps changing, the suspicion being its misdirection. Uh, and also, there's obviously been a rise. They're more interested in it since we split the atom, basically, uh, just around the end of the war. There's been a massive rise in activity. Now, why would that really interest another ET race? Obviously, we can think loftily about how it might there might be a warning to them and all the rest of it, and it, there could be things. But a more direct reason might be that it threatens their existence because they're living on the same planet, and so they actually have to move from uh, observation to sort of more intervention, and that yep. might have been the change. And all those things mean that this theory of somebody sharing the planet with us could explain a lot of the things that are a bit incongruous because all those things are quite hard to explain in the UFO narrative in terms of the extraterrestrial hypothesis. Mm -hmm. And, of course, they're always warning us about continual ecological disaster because, clearly, if you're living under a nuclear pile, or a nuclear stockpile <laughs> or whatever, and your water's being polluted, then he's not going to be very happy about it, are you? I presume no, exactly. they're probably deep enough down to have sorted it out. Anyway. <laughs> so... We've seen this move from sort of godlike indifference to sort of more action. We've got active surveillance of nuclear facilities. Mm -hmm. We've got on buzzing fighter planes and particular nuclear weapons of war, undersea, submarines, aircraft carriers, nuclear-powered aircraft carriers, and ones that are carrying nuclear weapons. And also this big thing about telling a variety of people to protect the planet. And interestingly, they're going about protecting the planet, but they don't really say much about protecting the population. They're not particularly Correct. bothered about that. So that's, again, interesting, and that comes back to some of the messages that they want to influence is maybe quite self-serving. So the messages seem to be, the big messages, don't play with matches and you're killing the planet. They're the two things that they come out with, which, again, would be consistent with somebody who's got a vested interest and is not doing that. I mean, it's not a great communication strategy, really, uh, but, it, you know, really, but <laughs> it's, really. it's quite visible. It's got yeah. simple messages. It's got shock and awe. But the thing is, they're trying not to give the game away, remember? That's the thing. It's all misdirection and subterfuge this. Yeah, must uh, be. It must be. Uh, there's a definite fine line between influencing yeah. or trying to influence and essentially looking like you're taking over the planet. Well, the theory is that the more detailed work that they're doing, that's what Tony's was getting at as well, was he's maybe doing more secretly and they're quietly infiltrating our institutions or doing things uh, and events without us knowing. Or, or, you know, and that's the big worry, isn't it? And that is, I think, the unspoken worry, wherever, mm -hmm. wherever the others are from. If they're yeah. able to look like us or mimic us or whatever, then who's to know that's who they scary. are? And that's the mm -hmm. old sci-fi trope, isn't it, of who can you trust and all that. But, but apparently, just to digress... When Eisenhower apparently had his meeting in, I think it was 54, is a famous meeting, uh, I don't think it was Holman, it was another one, it was another Air Force, Edwards, I think. anyway, whatever one it was, it, he, uh, the thing that freaked him out the most was they looked like they looked like humans, and then he, he showed him this invisibility trick they had. And he said, well, how we could, we're, we're totally open to these guys, you know what I mean? And that really scared him, apparently. So whether that's true or not, it is, and it, mm. this idea of quietly influencing. And if you remember, Robert Bigelow said in that famous interview, they walk among us every day, and there's a few other people said that. So, uh, like V, for those yeah, that exactly. are old v. to remember the program. Yeah, yeah. Or oh, the other one, the invaders, if you're really old, they're like me. Uh, there's this 50s show. I mean, I only know it because they showed it 50s, 60s, 70s. 
David Janssen. But he used to show it on kids' telly, you know, in the morning or whatever. And you could tell the aliens because they had this sort of Spock-like hand, you know, they could per hand in a V-shape. They're very interesting. But anyway, there you go. Uh, so you just did you that go. as well, Dave. So what does that I know say? I did. I don't know. Maybe it well. I'll give me give the game away again. I'm, yeah, I am in fact <laughs> a Zillon and not to be trusted. But anyway, <laughs> anyway. So what he said was Tonnes basically, but Mac Tonnes. But they had two main technological advantages. Basically, they were able to, and this will become important later on. They could manipulate the electromagnetic spectrum and matter, so that's anti-grav portals, stuff like that. So that was one technological advantage they had. And the other was they were able to manipulate our minds through psychic control, ability to generate illusions and all the rest of it. Yeah. And we can think about something I mentioned in a couple of episodes, slide nine, which we can get into a bit later, which was this famous slide talking. I think it was from, from Chris Mellon saying but. The, the others had these mental abilities and they could mm-hmm. walk through barriers and walk through secret installations. And there's a lot of echoes of that in that. Torres was talking about based on a lot of accounts he'd looked at. Yeah. So it sort of explains a lot of uh, both the craft and the encounters that we hear about. Uh, the big point, though, is they might well have developed a different science to us. Although I may be discovered things that we haven't you see what i mean so that that's the yep. part and there's a bit of a link to the ancient civ stuff when we get onto that a bit later on so people keep their ears on that it might also explain why their tech is impressive very impressive but it's not so advanced we can't envisage it you see what i mean yeah uh, and they occasionally crash and it occasionally doesn't work and all the rest of it, yeah. So uh, that's an that, interesting that does one, come yeah. up, yeah. It does yeah. come up. It's like they can, based on people's sort of knowledge, they say, how can they come from wherever they come, thousands and millions of miles away or light years, and then they, they come to Earth and then they crash with yeah. this advanced tech. Yeah, but well, yeah. That, that is a good... Uh, it's a good explanation as to why that yeah. might happen. Yeah. That's right. I and mean, when you start getting into this, you start thinking, oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that ticks that box. So it's quite seductive as a theory. I mean, mm. seductive is the wrong word, but it is. No, it, it is, is yeah, yeah, seductive, yeah. yeah. I use way. it because it's, it's a bit pejorative, isn't it, though, because you think you're being tricked. Well, maybe you mm. are, maybe you're not, but it is very, it's one of them things. And so, the because the other thing about the tech is we saw, if, it's likely if they were an entirely different ET civilization, just through the law of averages, what's the chances that they'd be very much a very similar tech level to us? The chances are they'd be very much more advanced just through the law of averages. So mm-hmm. the fact we've got humanoid beings that have got tech that we can envisage, even though it's a lot better than ours, might suggest that we're on a similar technological timeline and we just we've missed the trick and an older civilization hasn't. I mean, that's a bit of a leap, mm. but would it that, is interesting. Would that tick the non-human intelligence box? Well, well, about? well. Because it's not quite human intelligence, no, maybe. Well, well I, I thought, and I didn't want to go on about it when because we, we had so much to go on about, but mm. I, I immediately clocked that when he said that, that non-human day. If you think about it, it could cover this. Yeah. Beautifully. This, this scenario uh, and being very careful and they ultimately say because it's a bit of a debate if you believe this or you take this theory on board but they might actually just be humans they're just a different branch 
So mm-hmm. it actually ends up saying that definition, whoever's flying the craft is a non-human intelligence, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, and that's, that yeah. covers everything then. It yeah, covers yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it covers extraterrestrial, everything. Yeah, yeah and, um, and that's why I sort of emphasised that a little bit when, when, we, when we were going through it as well, because mm. it, it's, it's quite important. And, it, yeah. and that's why I actually prefer saying non-known civilization, because I mm. think I said that a lot. But as I said, stop saying that because it it's more confu- it's confusing if people are using one term. But yeah. I think, that, but I think they may well have been edging a little bit because they might know they are more about the origin of uh, the others than the same. If that makes sense. Yeah. So I suppose then I remember this bit I'm going to talk about next is the sort of darker side of the cryptos or what Tonus thought was the darker side. And I, I remember calling it, it's not all good, man. I seem to remember calling this bit in the article because I've been watching Better Call Saul. I think when I was watching that, and it, Saul Goodman, isn't it? But anyway. There was a bit of a dystopian aspect, though, as I say. He, he theorised, just from, again, observation, looking at cases, he went through a load of UFO cases and encounters, and that's how he sort of built this picture up. They maybe once were powerful, but, but they're in decline, sort of after thousands of years in the gloom and the lack of genetic diversity. So a bit like what you were sort of, well, where you were, an area yeah. you were going on there. So they're a bit like, I suppose, the Wizard of Oz, you know, like sort of hiding behind this sort of psychic curtain, outnumbered, and using sort of misdirection to, to, to disguise the lack of potency or, you know, numbers or power, really. So that's quite an interesting one. So the, like, this Wizard of Oz thing, thing really struck me as a really good analogy, you know. Definitely. And, and he theorised that the lack of genetic diversity might explain the harvesting of genetic materials from both humans and animals. Now, if you think about uh, it might therefore, obviously, and I'm sure you've already gone to this, explain abductions and disappearances and even cattle mutilation as well and all that sort of stuff. So it's really interesting. Now, the other interesting thing is from fairies to present day, there's always a bit of a surreal quality to the encounters when people are talking about them. And there's also a variety of different aliens, which would, you think, drive a hole into the crypto-terrestrial one. But it could be that a lot of these things are psychically generated, as are a lot of the different craft and things we see. And also, the psychic stuff, again, is about getting compliance from people and getting them to do what they say. So again, there's this whole thing of misdirection and otherworldliness and sort of an undue psychic influence that sort of gets uh, goes through all this a bit like a stick of rock. So, I mean, there's a bit more if you just to go on from that, just to develop it a little bit more. Yeah. But I think that's quite interesting, this the sort of darker side mm-hmm. Toners was going Definitely. on about. Now, for me, I don't think this whole, fit, this, I think this crypto thing, he's not a bad fit. Clearly, it doesn't fit everything. I don't think, personally, if I'm looking at the things, and who am I, but it's my view anyway, but I don't think they're quite as reduced in power as sort of maybe Tone has suggested. And there's been a bit yeah. more about, and I think the craft and the tech, it looks powerful. They seem to have a large infrastructure around the globe, underwater, on, you know, in different places. And for me, they don't, uh, obviously they might have some problems that necessitate abduction, but you don't seem to be on the decline as much. So that's uh, so. what are the alternatives explanation? 
See, one might be that we're approaching another like cyclical cataclysm. You know, mm -hmm. if we think there's these things that happen every so often, are we approaching another one? And it may well be that all this activity is the seat that crypto terrestrials don't want us to take them with them, either via a nuclear catastrophe or the industrial infrastructure poisoning the planet, mm -hmm. you know, in a way that even they might not be able to clean up or survive. It's a, it's a massive shift because I, just to sort of jump in, you've got the, the whole Maelstrom Air Force Base where this unidentified object shut down all the nuclear weapons and you think actually this crypto terrestrial sort of take on things that they're not trying to help humanity because we we think that they're trying to stop us now we get into this tech where we can destroy worlds um to quote oppenheimer about becoming the destroyer of worlds um yeah Oh, no, it was Vishnu, wasn't it? Destroyer of worlds, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, Oppenheimer yeah. Quote, yeah. Quote, quoted that. Yeah, I now I, I am become. The I am become death. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the destroyer of worlds. I yeah. remember that. God, I remember that as a as a teenager reading. It's about such that. A, yeah. when I when I hear that clip. Yeah. When you hear Oppenheimer saying, "Now, now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds," yeah. after that first nuclear bomb went off, you just think, that's. Yeah. That's quite a dark moment in humanity. But you, sorry, I went slightly off track there, but the, the whole Maelstrom thing, that they're not actually saving us from killing each other. No. Actually, the, well, that you're takes right. That's our box. Look, they're saving them, the planet. So, so you didn't go off track at all, because actually, mm. that's the point. They might just want us to go quietly. Yeah. That's the thing. Now, another thing, I remember talking to Frank Melvin about this, and I'll show with Frank. Uh, now, we've only seen him do it one at a time with the nuclear weapons. I mean, the thing about knocking out nukes is you either knock them all out or you don't bother. Now, they've yeah. never done that, have they? So no. it might be that they're only able to knock out a couple at a time. Or maybe... Well, quite localised. Yeah, yeah. And they haven't got the power to do that or the numbers. And it might be like you were implying there, and it's, but they're just testing out to see if they can do it. And it's all surveillance mm -hmm. about thinking, how can... So how do we shut the nuclear power plants off so it doesn't poison the world? How do we stop them launching the missiles and stop that? And, you know, how do we stop the industrial... They might be just weighing that up. And, and there's just, just that little yeah. warnings they're giving. Look, yeah. look we, we, could, we can shut down this, this Air Force base yeah. and all your, all your weapons on this yeah. site. Yeah. Just imagine what, we, what else we can do. Yeah. But just showing that little bit of force, giving us a little bit of a yeah. slap to just sort of go... Well, keep in check, boys. It's no coincidence that the salt tree, well, no, it may be a coincidence, it may be entirely a coincidence, but you could argue that the salt tree in 72, the strategic arms limitation talks, some people say in the field that it's a direct consequence of that contact in the, with the nuclear installations in the 60s. It scared the, the death out of the Americans and the Russians. And yeah. that, was, that was the quid pro quo that they did this limited the size of them. Now, if you think they're talking to somebody about that's the scenario that would sort of make sense. Absolutely. Anyway, more charitably, mm -hmm. they may well be working with our governments to help them prepare for this cataclysm out of sort of enlightened self-interest, really. Yeah. So, and if you think about that scenario, that might explain a couple of things, a few other things. I mean, they might be, because uh, it might explain why are the government covering this up so completely in the first place? You know, almost like playing whack-a-mole with anything, you know, killing people, 
you know, all the rest of it. They don't want any talk of it. Massive disinformation, a great risk to their own liberty and the constitution, oh. the law. And why is a small but really powerful group allowed to jealously guard this UAP secret? How have they been allowed this license? Unless, of mm. course, they know something's coming. That's the underlying point I'm making here. The other thing is there's persistently large rumors, rumors of large construction projects in the US, underground massive ones, big mining machines, now, clearly, there might well be some military-based stuff in here, but it seems to be a lot. And, you know, those noises people keep hearing underground and all the rest of it. There's mm -hmm. a lot of that stuff, and I think that could, may not, but it could potentially be explained by that. Because if you think if they're preparing for whatever's coming and they're digging massively underground as some sort of shelter for the selected few, because they'd only probably be able to save about a million or two million yeah. or whatever, or the tops, ones. you know, mm -hmm. or, yeah, or whatever, you know, the court, you know, it's like again the sci-fi scenario of selecting the best sort of, you know, or a selection of the population, which might happen to all the which includes all that last well. yeah. But yeah, <laughs> but anyway, so 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 anyway, so uh also there's a phenomenon, not so much now, but until 2017, there was a lot of people who made a big noise about the phenomenon and the UAPs and what they weren't going to do when they got in office or got in power or whatever, or when they got more information. They actually, when they were read in, they so curiously went quiet, which would mm -hmm. imply, happened to Carter, it happened to a few people, which would imply that once they were told what was happening, Congress said, well, actually, we've only got 40 years and this is what we're doing. If we tell everybody, they're all going to panic. Yeah. Uh, that would be a reason for them to be quiet, wouldn't it? Now, it might also explain why apparently uh, Jimmy Carter, when he was finally read in after these battles with George Bush Sr., who was head of the CIA, then, uh, he was allegedly found crying in the White House after he'd mm -hmm. been briefed. You've all, yep. all heard that story. Well, what would make a man who's capable of being the president, a woman, whatever, capable of being the president of the United States cry like that? I mean, I can't say it's just, you know, it can't say it's just he found out but we've had DNA experiments. It might upset you, but it, it wouldn't upset you. So that, you know, it's a pretty big thing, that, I think. I mean, yeah. again, this is just speculation, extrapolation. But, uh, and there's also the thing with Tom DeLonge in that interview with Kurt. Uh, I can't remember his second name now. Uh, that Kurt fear of everything. Kurt Jaimongo, that's it. He... Uh, Tom DeLonge says once he understood it, uh, he's got many, he's as many sleepless nights. And Tom DeLonge talks about taking measures against these people. If we knew the situation, we know it. And he implies there's something serious behind it. And there's a few other people who've said seven things. What's his name? Bryce Zabel tells a story when he was a sort of intern with this guy who was, uh, I think he was the economics minister in Reagan's uh, cabinet. I can't remember the title. And he told him when he was in the military that he'd been told some terrible, the, the, the nature of the secret, and it, he couldn't get to it. It took him weeks to get to sleep. Wow. And he and he wouldn't tell Bryce what it was, but he said, he said, well, why are you that worried? He said, because I've got daughters. So the implication is that there's some sort of, when people understand there's some sort of secret thing that's quite bad, and I don't want to scare everybody, but it's hmm. just, I'm not, I don't know either way, I hope not, to be honest, and hopefully it isn't true, but... There's this thing, there seems to be this thing about something happening. So it may well be there's a chance that we are working in partnership with uh, these beings to just ensure that. Now, 
The next thing you have to think about is why would there be a big push then in 2017? It's often, the question's often asked at that point, well, well why, why now? Why are you doing that? Well, it may well be, but, uh, but there's been a big, as I said, there's the big push. The main reason that that was touted was that they were sick of compartmentalization. They weren't developing the technology and they were falling behind the Russians and the Chinese, but that never really flew for me. Uh, because it, they could sort that out quietly without having to push it, push it. But, I mean, mm. what if the real reason was that there's a new generation of these sort of military and intelligence officials, they found out about this impending catastrophe, but they think there might be other options. So we might really be seeing with all this activity now somebody trying to wrest control of the wheel from these sort of fatalistic sort of cabal of old guys. Uh, and try and, and maybe even wrest it from the CT, from the crystal terrestrial conspirators as well. I mean, we don't know, do we? So mm -hmm. that is another really interesting scenario. And just to finish off, I think there's some, because we get to the end of this little bit now, there's some quite profound implications, basically, of all that. So, so on its own, the discovery of another human civ living underground would be sort of jaw-dropping, wouldn't it? You know, it'd be really shockers and it'd be amazing. Now, if you add, but it's actually because of frequent catastrophes and cataclysms, that's pretty serious. Now, if you then add that one of these cataclysms is imminent, that'd be like a moment of surreal panic. I don't know why I'm laughing, but it would be a moment <laughs> of surreal panic. So It's like the laugh or cry. Yeah, Dave. yeah. So, I know it's all speculation, isn't it? We don't yeah. know, but it does illustrate that the... The CT theory, crypto-terrestrial theory, does create these other possibilities and it shows you how you can start to interpret mm. quite weird things that are happening in the UFO scene in yeah. a different light and maybe play around with them and think about what they might mean. It's interesting yeah. because I, um, when I, we first started the, the journey of the podcast in it and whatnot and I got to know Ash, I always thought the UFOs and other beings were from outer space that, that was, i didn't really yeah. think about it any yeah. other way but as time goes on i actually think that that is less likely than this kind of hypothesis yeah well i remember you guys having that it was a couple of episodes you did but there was one particular one where you looked at the interdimensional all that and mm -hmm. that was the cons the sort of consensus, because you remember I was pulling Ashley's leg because yeah. he dismissed the crypto terrestrial theory, didn't yeah. he? Uh, yeah. uh, yeah. I, I just, just worth saying now, because I meant to say it at the start, I'm sticking with Mac Tony's definition, and he says the crypto terrestrials are humanoid beings, sort of whatever that is, yeah. and the flesh and blood. Now you've yeah. got ultra terrestrials, which is a bit of a fluid definition, it can cover what I've just described, but also there's an implication. They may be interdimensional or they're living in a separate reality. Then you've got into you've got properly dimensional beings who are living mm -hmm. in another parallel. So there's a load of different ones, but for these purposes, we're sticking to this more of a flesh and blood being mm -hmm. that's in our reality. But that's interesting that. But yeah, that there are a number of different ex explanations. And and again, the one of the most compelling things, and I'm not sure what I think about it really, because Chris Bellin and a few of the ones in the know. Do seem to think he's extraterrestrial, so I've got to give a lot of weight to that, to be honest with you. Mm. But yeah, anyway, so, so, but I do think there's a lot of, 
it, it does stand to, it's more logical if they look like us and all the rest of it, but yeah. they're actually come from the planet rather than, and because the nature was technologically relatively speaking. So yeah. ju- you just mentioned Christopher Mellon and Lou Elizondo, Elizondo um, a while ago. So there are the, these are these guys that have been involved in this subject matter for a, a while from the government side, part of programs, all that kind of stuff. And they, they always stop short of saying, this is exactly what I know, for whatever reason, NDAs, all that, kind of, and I get that. But which one of these are we supposed to sort of trust for sort of the direction? They're, they're trying to drop hints a lot of the time, I get that, and... Um, it's just like, oh, just tell me what you know, and then we can kind of all go down that route. But you kind of sometimes hear different versions of of something, and I didn't know which which one of these speakers, I say speakers in terms of like these guys that are putting their head up above the parapet to to sort of try and break the message. Which one should we, in your opinion? Which ones should we be listening to more than others, do you think? Well, I think the conventional fudge, not fudge, but it is a fudge, I suppose, is to say that there's, it's not just one phenomenon. It's different ones. Uh, and uh, some may be ET, some may be crypto, some may be interdimensional. There's a number of other things mm. we're dealing with, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that is one thing. Now, if you listen, me and Frank had a big, long conversation about this. I think we did a sort of part of a pod on it, but all we mentioned it. If you listen to Mellon, he's very much extraterrestrial. He's very focused on the satellites and all that, and he's pretty yeah. clear it's that. Alessandro, not so much. He sort of talks about DNA manipulation, he, but he talks about this human kinds and interdimensional stuff and people working at different times. So yeah. there's a bit of a... I think there must be some level of debate amongst them. And if you listen to Gary Nolan again, he said extraterrestrial, but then he said, but they might not be as we know it. So then you've got what's his name, Jim Semivan, saying they've, they've been here, they've always been here, the tricksters, and, you know, and and all that, and, you know, it's it's as older than we are, you know? So I, the answer to the question is I don't know, Greg. Fair enough. Well, I do, but more sophisticatedly, I think one can only assume there's more than one phenomenon going on, or yeah. there is one phenomenon and it's manifesting in vastly different ways. But if you were to follow the crypto thing, what it would be is, is Tony's would say, well, no, what's happening is, through a misdirection and all the rest of it, what's happening is that they're giving us the illusion they're extraterrestrials, but they're not. I mean, they, they sort it's of... It's a good uh, bluff. Yeah, it's yeah, a good yeah. Bluff. They're sort of living here, and they've got a big infrastructure below the ground, uh, and they are here, and they're just throwing us off the scent, really, because the last thing they want, if they're, particularly if they aren't big in numbers, He's also lot getting on the scene because we'll be firing we nukes in the it. caves and all the rest of it, won't we? You can you imagine, can imagine. It, can't you? <laughs> fire that missile. Oh, it might, might not be. Might, oh, uh, I say, Charles, and fire that large missile down there. Oh, <laughs> yeah, very much so. It, we we so, can't have good things anyway. No. Um, we always ruin, yeah, yeah. ruin stuff. So, 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 so it may, and, and one thing I would say, I've always been a bit reluctant to say, oh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, uh, it's all consciousness, man, which you hear a lot of, and it's you know, and it's all this big, mm. these big amorphous beings. 
what I actually think is whoever it is, be it ET or whatever, have figured out the relationship between consciousness and manipulating matter. And they just understand how to manipulate it. But it's very much they're here in the present. They're not dead or they're not on different astral planes. They just know the science more and are able to yeah. mess with reality more. So I, I, I think there is an argument if you to follow this, but it is what it is. The CTs are mainly. And if we get, into the, if we get time to get onto the profile tonight, you'll see that a bit more clearly within that. But yeah, so I don't I don't know, Greg. I mean two minds, but I'm always thinking at the back of my mind, how could the crypto explanation suit this? And that's when them definitions come out. Again, that was uh interesting. Because there's been a few reports. There's one report for instance of uh uh the crypto terrestrials which I'll get into later with they have this hot cloaking technology being found in military installations, the shadow people you know, in nuclear installations, and one in the 60s in Britain in the 70s, this guy was found. And so there's quite a few. And there's also a report in another book where this NASA guy met these guys in the desert, and they said, oh, yeah, we've been we've been here for ages. And, uh, you know, and he explained the full scenario of who they were. So, so there's a lot of, and the technology they had. So yeah. the point is there's a lot of things that would fit, you know, that explanation. And the, the point is the military may well be aware of that. Yeah, why they would put the you know that stuff in place. Cool. Anyway, so yep. we're sort of at the end of uh, the car thing now. Yeah, and I thought we might go into the historical bit next, uh, if that's all right with you. Yeah, that sort yeah. of brings into the act. Yeah. So one of the main objections to the crypto terrestrial theory is there's no real historical evidence of an early advanced civilization. Well, that's what the mainstream archaeology would have you say, or most people. Now, there's a very simple answer to this. If uh, they did go underground, say, 10 to oh, 20,000 years ago, there wouldn't be much evidence of them there because it would all be eroded. We've seen some older structures that are almost totally eroded. It's earlier yep. than that. And there might also be old, many old artefacts that are buried deep underground or beneath the sea that we just haven't found. So it could well be that that argument doesn't mean anything. But, let's just, but I think there are also signs in our more recent but still very ancient past, it might give us some clues. So I just have to backtrack a little bit. Now, again, if people want to look at the article, I'll go into this in some detail. So I am truncating it a little bit and just trying to pull out the main things. But there is a bit more to it than what I'm saying. So if people bear with me on that, why is he doing saying this? There is a bit more behind it. Hopefully it'll make sense. Yeah. So you've got... Classical archaeology, but basically see civilizations emerging around 4,000 BC, maybe 4,500 BC in Samaria. Now, that view has been increasingly challenged by older and older discoveries of civilizations. We've seen Glebeki Tepe around 11,000 years ago. Big LIDAR discoveries in these old cities. But there's a number of things that are being found that are a lot older than this conventional thing. And the old... Uh, some of the oldest of these, the other thing is a lot of the more oldest sort of civilizations that we find are often the most sophisticated. And then the decline later on, mm-hmm. a bit like the building the pyramids and the Egyptians got worse at it. Or you find some cities in the Indus Valley that were brilliantly sort of laid out and had running water and all that, and then they were rubbish after that, or they slowly got worse. The implication is there was an earlier, much more advanced civilization, and they were like the remnants of that. Yeah. So that's that's there's a few things there. 
Now, the archaeologists still sort of fight against this, and there's loads of examples of denial, suppression, people not getting granting funding, people having their grants taken off and not being scared to dig below certain levels. I mean, they didn't want to look at that mewing detection, the big cavity they found in the pyramids, because they said that they wouldn't find anything, and there's a whole... And archaeology really is very much... uh, almost like art history it was formed in colonial times and it's this discipline of a lot of outdated assumptions about ancient peoples and all the rest of it so it's a bit of a flawed science many people say and it's not very multidisciplinary in terms of science and all the rest of it so it's under a lot of pressure at the moment as the graham hancock thing showed now clearly if you got an archaeologist on there, they probably felt foaming at the mouth and they would say, that's a load of rubbish, what I'm saying. But there's more alternative thinkers, but the evidence did turn it up seems to be quite strong. And I'll get into some of that in a, in a, in a bit. But what it really means is that hints of older technological civilizations are not likely to emerge in the mainstream and they won't be looked for. So the argument is, well, we don't see any evidence. Well, they wouldn't probably talk about it or look for it anyway. So that. Maybe we have to scratch a little deeper. Now, the first thing, we do have tales of destruction in a lot of myth, flood, flood myths. We've got, you know, from all over the ancient world. The most famous one is Atlantis. But there's yeah. one from the Egyptians with Foth. And it all is about an ancient civilization being destroyed and some of the survivors starting again. There's loads of different legends of that in different ways. So, a lot of these, with the flood myths and these different stories from around the world, from different cultures, you know, from India, from South America, from Egypt, from wherever, it does seem to suggest that there is some sort of cyclical, or there could be some cyclical, destructive uh, cycles. Now, they were originally dismissed, but there's more evidence recently, perhaps comet strikes. That's the big one from Graham Hancock. Hancock. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Younger Dryas Comet Strike, which was the latest one about 12,000 years ago. Yeah. There's also a lot of potential evidence around solar flares, which Dr. Robert Schott goes for and all the rest of it, and even talk about mini-novas and all that from some people. But anyway, solar flares, evidence for that. There's a lot of burning around the world. Those vitrified forts in Scotland might be examples of that. There's a few things of old statues as well in Egypt that are burned and melted. But there's no explanation mm. of how it might happen. Uh, and even sort of global seismic events have sort of been mentioned, like a sort of crustal displacement where the Earth's crust shifted, which is a bit weirder. Charles Hapgood went for that, but there's a more modern sort of theory of that, which I'll go into again in a bit more detail. But I suppose the so what of that, to cut to the chase, really, it's sort of myths that in the geological record, there's some sort of suggestion that there's a cyclical catastrophe that goes on that might have forced a branch of human civilization underground. There's evidence to suggest sort of sophisticated scientific knowledge, which I'll get on to, and shared iconography across the globe at a much earlier date. Because the other thing mm-hmm. the archaeology says, these civilizations never talk to each other. And it's quite clear you see similar tools and techniques and all oh, the rest yeah. of it all over the place and iconography and even just the pyramids and that sort of thing. I was going to say the pyramids yeah. are a classic example yeah. of that. Yeah, and so... Once you've got evidence of a global civilization that was at least seafaring, then you're in business, perhaps we're in a much earlier civilization, something we're not aware of. So, uh, as I say, if that's true, it may be that, that science, it may be that 
a science that an offshoot of humanity took with them and shared at various times. We can see evidence of that, and we might see it, and I think we can see evidence of it in UAP today, but I'll get to that. So, I mean, it took take a load of time to detail all the things in the short time we've got here now, but in terms of this sophisticated scientific knowledge. But basically, the biggest one is sophisticated building techniques, moving these impossibly large stones. How did they even move them, manipulate yeah. them? There's evidence of the use of machining, you know, proper machining, lathes, very precise cuts, advanced ma manipulation of materials and metamaterials and concretes and all the rest of it. You've got sort of chemistry, water management, acoustics, potential mm -hmm. power generation. You've got loads of sort of examples of that of that going. Just give you a couple of little examples. There's one soil called Terra Preta, which you may have come across. It's a super soil. It's massively, uh, it's, what's the word, uh, fertile. Keeps fertile forever. They found it in the Amazon. Uh, it's, a, it's definitely of artificial manufacture. Very old, 10, 20,000 years, maybe more. Uh, you know, it's mass brilliant fertilizer. Never gets old. It's got loads of other weird properties. Brilliant soil for growing things. And that's all over the world, Greg. You can find it on every continent. Oh, and wow. it's at least 20. And people used to flog it in the old days. They flog it now and move it around. It's in Russia, Asia, America, all over the place. Now, that, to me, on its own would suggest, and but the fact it's been bioengineered, it's very sophisticated, mm. it would that's suggest mad. a much older, sophisticated civilization who did yeah. that. And if they had a bigger population, think about that LIDAR thing in Central America. You need to have very efficient soil to be able to produce that stuff. It even has things where it takes the carbon out of the air as well. It's very, very sophisticated. And it's, as I say, it's not natural. That's known. You just all scratch your heads and, as usual, yeah. just turn away and think, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what happened. And nobody questions it further because it would be weird to do so. Yeah. Basically. So, uh, yeah. So, anyway. That's, yeah, the, that's interesting. Yeah. That is. The, the other one that you'll have heard about is these tales of Vermana and flying craft. Uh, mm -hmm. crop up a lot, particularly in India, but in other places. Uh, and how would that be and why have they come along? And uh, also, and more sort of subtly, there's a lot of evidence in ancient measurements, but the measurement scales are based on the size of the earth, which would imply that at some point, somebody in history had accurately measured the earth itself, mm -hmm. and so therefore were able to measure it. So all these are little indications of potentially advanced technology yeah and all the rest of it uh, from the ancient past and as i say it's i've got a massive list of them in the article but I'm just yeah yeah it's fascinating yeah. i just and i know like some of the shafts in the great pyramids like they they line up like perfectly with yeah. celestial bodies yeah. and it's like when you're putting something together that big yeah how, how without yeah. some kind of advanced understanding of building and everything the solar system the earth, like you say the earth how how could you possibly well the pyramids I and mean, we could probably spend the separate but when we do if we do something on ancient civs we'll get into that in we'll do that yeah well, well i mean it is a scale model of the northern hemisphere of the earth there's loads of things about it, it includes mm. processional maths in it it's got loads of there's loads of stuff in it and it's people think it's a bit of a as well as being having some other function, which I'm going to just get onto in a minute, you think yeah. it's like a bit of a marker for us, for yeah. future for future civilizations, just to sort of tell them 
you know, but there was an older civilization there. You know, it's like a bit of a what's the word, a time capsule or the Southern yeah. analogy. Anyway, so all right. So what I'm basically saying is that we might have had this ancient civilization that had all these moral ancient ones that have much, much more sophisticated science. So how does that link to the cryptos then? So as I say, I think we can say there's sort of ancient advanced science, but it was different to ours. If you think about it, we sort of rely on force, mechanical advantage, combustion, wide electricity, nuclear energy, etc. You know, and could go on, but it's that sort of thing. It's all force and grunt. And I think that we might have missed a few tricks sort of along the way. We might have missed some important areas of science, which I'm going to get onto in a minute. Uh, and we've got a, retained a vague memory of these in the sort of historical and folk record. But I think we can see three particular ones if we look at all the stories and tales of ancient Sibs tech. The first one was about being able to electronic, the electronic, electromagnetic, understanding. The ancients seemed to understand the electromagnetic nature of matter. And how, how you could manipulate this. And that will be shown in electromagnetic and sonic field manipulation. So lifting stones, anti-grab flight, cutting and digging tools. So that's the first key area. The second one is around drawing natural power from Earth surface sources. And the two thought there was geomagnetic. And people think the pyramids were designed for that. And there's a load of stuff behind that which we could go into another day. Around getting the vibration of geomagnetic energy vibrating in the pyramid and then it producing electricity and also the stuff of using the electromagnetic energy in the air a bit like tesla did and drawing it down and using it it's quite interesting there's another one as well as maybe transmitting power wirelessly as well this is a really interesting idea it's very tesla yeah yeah well, well the idea is that one of the thinking is that the obelisks may well be a memory of an earlier, or maybe even maybe an example of, of an earlier thing whereby what happened was that you had power generated. It was sent wirelessly, a bit like Tesla, to these local stations, which were the obelisks. And within a radius of, what, 200, 400 foot or a mile or whatever, a bit like Wi-Fi, but only this time with power, you could use all your tools within that. And if you think about the obelisks, that same thing is in India. It's everywhere that idea and if you think of that might be a remnant of an older tech whereby they had a totally different approach to generating power so that's the second thing so we've got electromagnetic field manipulation effectively sonic and whatever and sonic manipulation natural just power. a quick just a yeah, quick sure, one sure. Um, for anybody listening when we're talking about tesla we're not talking elon musk Tesla, we're talking because there will be some people who yeah, haven't right. heard of Nikola Tesla, yeah. um, and his ideas were beyond where he was in time, um, and so the the accounts go that after he died, uh, all of his like documentation about wireless power and stuff all went. Yeah, went missing. So, yeah, yeah, well, well, so, the, the, that was his big thing, but he developed this way to. to take power along cross he was so revolutionary in so many areas mm. but transmitting this power wirelessly and he yeah. even made illusion himself that the ancients might have had this this power as well yeah and the reason they shut him down was because you couldn't charge for it that was what yeah the point was. Exactly. So it was it's all about money down. yeah exactly it was shut down 
So, so we've got the two, and the third one that is a little more interesting and a bit harder to define, well, not define, but sort of envisage, is there seems to be indications that the ancients had discovered the relationship between matter and consciousness, and more specifically, the ability to manipulate reality. And if you think about advancing quantum physics now and observation on that, that's where that's sort of coming from. So they understood the relationship between that, the ability to maybe manipulate reality, objects and machinery. I mean, I think a lot of them vases might have been done by sort of 3D printing, and it could have well been run by somebody doing that mentally or something like that. Because a lot of the things we see, a lot of it looks like 3D printing and mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. It might be, um, you know, the sort of controlling machinery like that. Uh, interesting, the headdress of the pharaoh, that, you know, uh, a lot of people think that maybe mental amplifiers, a lot of that gear they wear, and a lot of the things that the other people wear, these different things coming out of the sea, carrying a little bag, thought to yep. be a power source, but they then amplified psionically and all the rest of it, which sounds a bit weird, but again, coming back to slide nine, there's evidence uh, somebody mm-hmm. certainly thought that technology was being deployed, however yeah. it was, psionic technology. Uh, and it, we can go back to maybe controlling the body, uh, regulating health, telepathy, you know, so communication would be totally different, and maybe even remote viewing. Now, I remember seeing ages ago, uh, there was these things in, there was somebody who said they had a past life or whatever, now whether they had or not, there's these little things that are around one of these Egyptian temples, and she said that they lay in them, and the, the people, would they were like healing things that they did sonically. They sort of uh, healed people using sort of sonic thing, and now you'd never know that looking at it. But it was all that sort of ability to manipulate things. So anyway, uh, you, you can you, you can imagine. All, so that that's the sort of things that they might have got into. And if you think about, if they had all this energy flying around in the atmosphere, it'd be quite hard to have a computer like we've got now because it'd all get fried on a mobile phone. Yeah, and that, that's been, yeah, yeah. The tech that's, might that's be totally different. different. They might not have to have tech if they could communicate mentally or remote view. The tech might look totally different. And that's the point. The science may well have looked very, very different from ours. Would this be, again, I I hate jumping in because it's super fascinating, but I I get these moments. No, it's by all means, just dive in because there's there's loads of stuff here. We've got these tic-tac objects we've got all these different things that have no visible mean of propulsion no exhaust plumes no heat signature are they taking on those principles of tesla and and the civilization before that they're actually being powered by the atmosphere well funny you should say that greg oh because that's where we're going to get to just in a sec so we didn't even plan that no 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 that's right so let's i just just we'll just go back slightly. Yeah, so, sorry, yeah, no, yeah, no, 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 yeah. no. But, but it's, that's a really good point. So basically, their science might look very different from ours, and we don't even recognise what we're looking at when we're looking at a lot mm-hmm. of old ruins or whatever. That stuff yeah. that's right in front of us. So a temple, a quaint little temple, because everything's a temple, isn't it? To the archaeologists, might have been a production facility. A pyramid might have been a power plant, and so forth. We just don't know what we're looking at. Now, it's possible, to your point, that an older sieve might have gone underground with this tech and survived. So, uh, 
if you think about the UAP phenomenon today, we see all these characteristics just like you've said. So we see this like uh, manipulation of anti-grav field manipulation, different kinds of, uh, of that, unlimited power, different kinds of power. Psy I'm just trying to think of all the things, you know, psychic power and manipulation, all these things, I've just those three areas I've just described, mm -hmm. all we see in the UAP phenomenon today. 100%. Yeah. So it might, now there's also, uh, we might just be seeing, that's the best way to put this, so we might just be seeing an older version of ourselves in the form of cryptos. And the link Which, is these old mm. technologies, can we see them emerge again, but we can see them in the past, and that's the link. See what I mean? Yeah, and it definitely goes against the whole future humans. Yeah. In actual fact, they're not future humans, they're past yeah, humans, yeah, that, that, which is even, yeah. I think, even more yeah. of a crazy idea. Yeah. And do you just think that the whole, the Tic Tac, because that's, that's probably the the best sort of current UAP sort of shape that we're, that's in the news and everybody talks about Tic Tac, it was seen underwater, bubbling underwater. Is it is it essentially a submarine when it hits the water? Yeah, yeah. Because it's a submarine shape. Yeah, yeah, you only yeah. have to look at that one that unfortunately imploded down by the Titanic and that didn't half look like a Tic Tac UFO. <laughs> Absolutely. So No, I, I agree with you. So, yeah, and there's loads of stuff like that. And there's a book by a fellow called Jared Murphy called It's Not Aliens, It's Us. It's a brilliant book. It's just as good as Fingerprints of the Gods, in my opinion. That's where I got that Terra Preta from, actually. Yeah. Very good, but that's his argument. Well, his argument is that there was an old civilization that's still with us today. It's a bit more sophisticated, isn't it? Yeah. But it's really interesting. But, but what? We haven't got time on everybody. Yeah. Well, I'll just give you a Before we move on to the next thing, I'll just give you, because this is really important. This hmm. There's another thought that is worth considering at this point. This sort of, this cataclysm stuff, and this explains why we haven't advanced much in 300,000 years. Because if you think about it, we've been atomically normal. From what I can gather now, reading the best guesses, at least 300,000 years ago, we're like we are now. Same Brentwood capacity and all the rest of it. Linguistic capacity, you know, and all the rest of it. But yeah. it, is it really likely that we've been like that for 294,000 years and 6,000 or whatever, we just start to develop agriculture and animal husbandry and then we do what? Is that likely? Or is it more likely that we get so far each time and we just get smashed like skittles, you know? And then we have to start again. Uh, every yeah. 12,000 years is supposedly the cycle. And it may well be, but perhaps, perhaps one time we sort of got lucky. The cycle was a bit longer. People are advanced, had a bit more tech than you would think. And uh, of more advanced than we are now, maybe developed all this stuff, and they were lucky enough to get to go underground and save themselves, or they just got lucky and sports saw it coming and saved themselves anyway. And so we're seeing this this lucky mob, as it were, flying around today in our skies, and that is a, to me is an absolutely fascinating thought. It's a great take yeah. on the whole yeah. thing. Uh, it's interesting, it, isn't it? It explains a lot of the phenomena yeah. that we're yeah. seeing. And even, like we mentioned earlier, the, yeah. the wording that David Grush used, yeah. non-human intelligence, that yeah. it's, it's saying what it is, but 
without really saying what it is. It's... See, see, I listen. I, yeah, I mean, I listen to a guy pro, called pro, on Project Unity called Mister X. People may remember that from ages ago, and he was saying, "Well, looking at ET tech, whatever, others tech, mm-hmm. we, we probably missed the trick scientifically, and they haven't, and it may be, but we just gone down the wrong path." And I thought, "Hang on a yeah. minute." Uh, I mean, he, he thought, "Hang on a minute." Uh, well, m- maybe we. I thought maybe that just applies to uh, to ancient civs. Maybe we missed a, te- a trick that they haven't. Maybe we as modern civs have missed a trick, but they they haven't. It made me think that that was entirely possible. And once you get that, you can see these links mm. very very clearly. So. Uh, uh, I said, what we could do now, what we might want to do, Reg, is uh, I've got another little bit, and maybe we can, we can, because how long have we been going on for now? Just over an hour. Uh, what do you want to do? Do you want to keep going, or shall we? I think we, I think we could probably get it done in about two hours. I reckon. Okay. Okay. Yeah, go on. All right. Go well, on. we'll see how Let's we go. go. If we get knackered. Yeah, you'll say because 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 uh, it's worth just for everybody. Everybody, I don't want to leave people on the edge of the seats, <laughs> and we, we'll go a bit quicker after this. So, yeah, all, all right, we've gone. We've we've now established what the core story is now. It might relate, and what the historical picture was, and how there may well be a long arm from millennia ago up to the present day in terms of sort of technology. Yeah. So, what's the sort of is there any evidence of this happening over time historically more recently and whatever? And we do see some sort of more persistent tales, really. So, and again, I'll, I'll go a bit quicker here because I think people would know. Across the globe, across all societies, there's ancient tales of advanced sort of godlike underground civilizations, sort of living in tunnels and cave systems. Now, I'll just read you this list because I was looking at this the other day. And the idea was they occasionally came to Earth to teach mankind civilization or whatever, or reteach them or help them out. And the myths are in Buddhism, in India, Mayan, Aztec, African, Native American, Sumerians, Babylonians, Chinese, Japanese, Egyptian, and Celtic. And that's just not mainly. So all over the world, in all these areas, there's this idea of an underground, more advanced civilization where occasionally come to the certain there's entrances all over the place. Now, this is before the concept of hell, all these things. So it's not like some, it's, we're not, I'm not mistaking it for the concept of hell and all that, or it was a spiritual place. And uh, there's all these ideas of vast tunnels, networks, and numerous entrances to the surface. So there you go. And I think the communality of that myth, a bit like a flood myth, must give it at least some substance to be considered as a potential indicator. Definitely. Now, linked to this more recently in the UAP world in the last sort of 10 years, but we've seen it over the decades. You've got evidence of large underwater bases, craft emerging from the sea, lakes, near islands, uh, suggestions of large underground inland bases, sort of using old volcanic systems around mountains, coming out of gorges, and maybe coming out of isolated places down there, so, and with underground entrances, so that's been quite commonly reported. In the, uh, over time, persistent tracking of craft over both poles, isolated areas again, which would be ideal for doing where they're coming from, who's flying there, nobody's. In fact, they've almost caused nuclear war a lot of the time. 
Uh, and I think tied into that, there's sort of numerous accounts of activity in wilderness areas like Siberia, Afghanistan, Mongolia, India, Tibet, South and Central America, uh, and will, some wilderness areas in North America. Now, earlier in earlier in USA, but still in Canada. And these are present day, but also were in ancient times as well. And there's loads of tales of encounters with flying craft, sort of beings flying down to meet them, you know, looking different. Again, the blonde appearance and all that. So there's a lot of these, 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 these encounters there. So what that is, is, I think, evidence of a sort of big undersea and underground infrastructure, really. And then you, if you couple that with sightings, and sort of reports of activity in remote parts of the world, you know, throughout recorded history, I suppose. I think that's quite significant as well. So you've got this, mm -hmm. this myth of the underground sieves, then you've got this whole infrastructure thing stretching from the past, particularly the wilderness bit, into the present day, which is what you'd expect to see, I suppose. Uh, I mean, it sort of suggests there's a sort of long-term, what would you say, would you say, uh, high-tech presence, sort of acting covertly like we are talking about before. Mm -hmm. And that's what we sort of think a, a, this CTCIV would do, really. Be, and I suppose as we've got more technological advanced, their bit would be more shrinked as to where they would operate, as it were. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. anyway, I've also thought myself, you know, the persistent reports from amateur astronomers and all the rest of it, of craft flying across the moon, it might also be them as well, because that would be logical for them to mine yeah. there, wouldn't it, if they had that tech unobserved and do all that. So I, that's just a thing to throw out there. But one final thing that I think is really, really interesting and got me going. Uh, I think, uh, if you think about it, there's what appears to be sort of writing found on a lot of crashed craft resembling ancient human writing symbols sort of hieroglyphics yeah. constantly reported on recovered uh or witnessed extraterrestrial craft and now, roswell yeah absolutely there's loads of them i yeah. forget there's loads of kecksburg there's loads yeah. of them yeah and you hear it from people who are, who are what so as well experiences you hear it all, all the time so they often resemble sort of a mixture of a, what would it be linear b you know the old sort of creation one and a family plan sanskrit sort of Egyptian hieroglyphs, that sort of mixture. And the obvious point is, why would an ET civilization have a script that even resembles ancient human mm. writing? Why would yeah. that be? It's much less puzzling, I think, if the craft sort of themselves are somehow derived from an older human civilization as a common route to that. Yeah, And you also see with the UAPs, they've got a habit of having symbols denoting the status and of the location an origin and that's again something that's a very human sort of aesthetic mm, thing to do very much so like we launched yeah. the voyager um probe and we, we put a disc yeah, with yeah. human sounds yeah, maps yeah, yeah. of where we are in the solar system everything so yeah, why yeah. why wouldn't people do that kind of stuff previously yeah, yeah. so yeah absolutely so we finish on this historical bit now, but now, oh, yep. the, the, this is more about what we've seen. So, so if we're looking at this history through all this lens of what we've been looking at now, we can see that the sort of indications of a CT sieve, I suppose, yep. you know, high tech living underground, 
under sea and in wilderness areas. That's as that would characterise it. Mm -hmm. Sort of reinforces the idea of uh, cyclical catastrophes, and it also explains why the phenomenon is kept under such a veil of secrecy by our current government. So you've got all those three things coming together and you can see that sort of connection. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So any thoughts on that? I've got a slight change of pace now. Mind blown, really. Yeah, well, well, well this will blow your mind even more. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, what it, are you going to say? It, I mean, it all, it all, it ticks lots of boxes. It ticks lots of boxes of what we're seeing and um i've watched the stuff with graham hancock and the ancient civilizations and um like archaeologists not wanting to lose 10 years all this kind of stuff but by sticking to a narrative which as years go on doesn't hold up anymore but they're not prepared to to change their way of thinking because that impacts their funding and it always comes down to money uh, and graham hancock um he gets a lot of stick online yeah a lot of the archaeologists and i think the younger archaeologists who are who are sort of a bit more in tune with where we are with the world right now uaps all that kind of stuff are probably a lot more open to it but it's the older ones that just don't want to hear it because no. it's like well, well i've got to learn new stuff and no, it goes it's against my thesis and that. it's just and dogma it's, but we see the same thing in the ufology field and the physics yeah. field you just can't have new ideas and, and the scientific method and the spirit of inquiry just exists mm -hmm. in their minds as an idea. Yeah. But when it, yeah, exactly. it push comes to shove, they don't want to know, really. Uh, yeah. I mean, there is an also interesting aspect to this, but I don't think there's a conspiracy with the archaeologists, but I think from the government. The question is, if you've acknowledged as an ancient advanced civilization, uh, the next question is, what happened to it, yeah? And that yeah. might lead to... Oh, thing, yeah, so that's why probably I, more of a panic. Yeah, yeah, than yeah exactly. The UAPs. Yeah, so I think that's why the government isn't averse in one way or another to helping the archaeologists, even though they don't know about it. Yeah, sticking to the dogma and grant funding. Anyway, given the time, let's go through because <laughs> this is really interesting. The next one. So, but interesting details. This you might be shocked by some of this, Greg. I don't know a young lad like you, but uh, there's a strange case <laughs> of, uh, of sort of aliens with human DNA. Aliens in inverted commas, I suppose. And this is a 1992 case of a guy called Peter Curry. I might be murdering his name. You might have heard of this one before. But he was handled, this case went by a very famous Australian researcher, Bill Chalk, who was well respected, Australian UFO researcher. And he was also regressed, this guy, with his experience by John Mack, you know, the famous right. sort of Harvard psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. So can't get better than that. Anyway, again, I'll go through it pretty quickly, but. He woke up in his room, this is the weird bit, to find one strange-looking female sort of on top of him having intercourse with him, basically. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting awakening. He couldn't really... He didn't feel he was in control of things. Well, there you go, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> uh, unless, I suppose, his wife was sleeping next to him, in which case, I was going to explain it to <laughs> but, but, but anyway, uh, this is what happened. So he woke up. He couldn't really move, but this was what was happening. Uh and there was another one, another woman sitting naked beside him. So there's two naked women. And I know this like sounds like the start, start of a joke. But there's one <laughs> tall blonde with very white skin and one more of a sort of Asian, sort of Mongolian appearance with darker skin. Mm. Now, interestingly, they had sort of a non-human aspect, which is where coming to what you were talking about earlier at the start. Their eyes were twice the size of human eyes. 
They have longer, sharper cheekbones uh, and faces. The noses yeah. were longer as well, and they had thinner bodies, and the heads were also of a slightly different shape, slightly larger. So classic looking, I would say, a bit like hybrids. You know, the hybrids we see in popular culture or whatever with the bigger eyes, but looking sort of human. Very much like that, and very much like the appearance that has been described elsewhere in some of the literature. So now, interestingly, the blonde woman left some of her hair on the bed. Uh, you know, this lot of long blonde hair she had. And Bill Chalker had it DNA tested, which was really interesting. Now, here's the very interesting bit. The hair, I'll just read this bit, was found to contain a very rare and ancient DNA from an isolated part of China and an equally rare and ancient DNA of a Celtic and Basque origin. Well. Well, now, the, the results were double-checked by the lab, and they were correct. So you've got quite alien-looking, so all human hybrid beings that had rare ancient human DNA. And point about this, I put it to you, Greg, <laughs> <laughs> but this is just the sort of DNA signature that you'd see from a sister race that split yeah. a long time ago from the modern yeah. population. That's the point of all this. Their appearance, as I say, is sort of really consistent with people we've seen encounters. And as and Tom has talked about this, as there's another person I'm going to talk about in a minute. Uh, their appearance is consistent with that being seen around, and people wear dark glasses sometimes and all things and be, to cover up the slight yeah. differences in appearance. That's a common trope. But it's only one case, but it does hold the possibility of proof of this link to. Uh, the physical evidence of the sort of crypto origins of the others. And it's a potential physical evidence of that link. So that's why it's so interesting. So there you go, a really interesting case. Yeah, that, that ancient DNA, that's that's fascinating. And if and if it's been checked and it still holds up, that, that does raise more questions, doesn't yeah. it? Well, I when I heard that, I remember hearing it about, it must be three or four years ago, whenever it was, uh, on an Australian thing, and I really, I knew immediately what it could mean. Oh, not I didn't mean no to that extent, but I realised because hmm. they were saying it was alien. Yeah, and why would aliens have human DNA? But if you know the crypto stuff, clearly that, yeah. there's another explanation. So it's really interesting. And I suppose the the fact that there's less numbers, yeah, it would mean that the the gene pool would be smaller and not so diluted. So That's you'd correct. probably find that the the DNA won't essentially won't sort of um, water down like it is today. You've got people jetting all over the world. Yeah. So we're, we're all a yeah. bit of a mix of a gene. So, yeah. Yeah, it'd be an isolated population. I mean, part of the reason yeah. they think that they have ab uh, abductions and all that is, and, and one of the things is to take younger children, you know, sort of very young girls particularly or whatever, is to add them to their communities to increase prove the gene pool you know to have sort yeah. of as breeding stock essentially again that, that uh, ticks that box yeah. nicely and that's yeah. the fairy thing of you know changelings and abducting kids at that age and all mm -hmm. that when they were young yeah. so that's yeah. a really interesting thing anyway so we're coming to the, the last bit now which is the bit i wanted to try and get to tonight because yeah. i think it may have and people may see what they think some links to what we've seen in peru recently which is why i wanted to do it tonight because it's topical and it's what is called the crypto profile. And I think you'll find this really interesting. Cool. Let's go. Right. Yeah. 
So it comes from a book from called The Children of Orion, a brilliant book by an Australian writer. He's called Ryan Musgrave Evans, yeah. And uh, he's, a, he's an interesting character. He's on YouTube. He looks, he sounds a lot weirder on YouTube, but he's a very good writer. <laughs> and he is out there, but he's really good as well. He's, he's writing's very good. So you shouldn't always judge a good book by its cover. <laughs> yes. And I don't agree with everything he sort of says or all his theories, but his core stuff, I think, is really good, you know, where he's going off sorts of stuff. Which is the truth of a lot of people. There's, the core info can be quite good, and sometimes the speculation isn't as good. But anyway. I digress. So he derives this profile, and he'd done a profile of crypto terrestrials, basically. And it's from studies of ancient Celtic accounts of fairies, which are fascinating when you read them. Absolutely fascinating. They put the glamour on, taking kids, the power they've got floating, invisibility, mm-hmm. loads of, and you'll see why that's relevant in a minute. Jack Valet, and he he did a lot of his work, homage, was it, is it homage to Magnolia? Or so it's not or something like that. Return to Magnolia. I can't remember the name of it anyway. But anyway, uh, it's got Magnolia in the title. But anyway, that's all about ancient, you know, the fairy myths and was that actually yeah. ET encounters. And also there's a fellow called Charles Hall who did these account of these tall whites that he met. He was working with after the war and living in Nevada Desert near the U- the Area 51 in assigned areas. Now, you believe that or you believe it not, uh, but uh, these made the connection around that these ones that Charles Hall encountered were actually, he thinks they were actually cryptos. Uh, again, and because uh, yeah. he had the same characteristics of all the other things. So he's knitted together and he's also done a load of study of encounter cases and it's really interesting. Now he also, and this is where it gets a bit weirder, he claims to be an experience himself, which isn't weird in itself. You know, I don't say, oh God, you know, we deal with it all the time, don't we? I won't dismiss anybody on that basis, but he says since childhood, and he's had a lot of encounters with these beings, and uh, he's asked them loads of questions, which he's also added to his understanding of the, looking at the literature, like a bit of a reinforcement curve or whatever helping him. Really interesting, interesting enough, and we haven't got time to get into this this time. He's doing a part two yeah, for definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he thinks that they're uh, the time travellers, funnily enough, and I get okay. it. There's a whole story around that but it's really easy but i won't get into that now because it's too too much it would be here oh god we won't we'd be the boring they'll be rising you know cockles <laughs> growing anyway uh so it's it's fascinating extra dimension obviously and obviously I, as i say i don't know the truth of it but i'll give you a brief account of the profile just bear with me here yeah yeah so you can there we go yeah I've, I've got i've made a couple of notes here so i'll get it right so the crypto terrestrials have two basic appearances. Tall blonde Nordics with shivering mm-hmm. silver suits. That's one of the way they appear. Think about what we heard in Peru recently. Mm-hmm. And generally smaller beings who wear black jumpsuits with helmets and red goggles, and particularly the red eye glow. How many times have you heard the red eye glow going? Yeah, long. Now, they've got... Larger eyes, thinner bodies, longer arms, larger heads, more pointed face and noses. Very much like what we've been talking about there. And that's in a few things. Now, these beings grow gradually over the lifespan of 900 years. This is from these wow. tall whites thing. And they eventually end up between seven and nine foot at the end. Yeah, I know this all sounds crazy, but this is this is the profile. You think about all the different beings that we've seen of that size and all the rest mm-hmm. of it. 
Yeah. And I would just go back to say this larger, thinner eyes, that bigger eyes and all that, you could see him looking quite grey-like, couldn't you? And there's some pictures, funny enough, but on the internet, these they look, they've got human colour skin, sort of, but they look very much like the classic grey alien. Very interesting. Yeah. And yet, there's also some talk, but some of them may be more like that than others. Anyway. So to give you an idea, at 100 years old, one might just be five foot. And they'd only get to six foot and then taller at 200 years. So that also explains why you see smaller creatures and bigger ones all as part of the same thing. So that is very interesting as well, yeah? Mm. So when they go on missions are out and they're quite weak bodily, uh, they haven't got, they're not the strongest humans. They often wear the black suits or the silver ones and they function like exoskeletons. They have lots of technical functions, which I'll go through. Uh, they've got an anti-grav function so they can float above the ground. Invisibility function, how many times have you seen that on uh, a bit like the Predator, I suppose, and a bit like what we've seen in Peru. So you can only just see him, the shadow people, mm. that's all, you can't see him at all. A portal function, which means they can go through walls or appear in different locations. Think of abduction cases, think of other cases, you've heard about that. Uh, and also they've got Cytec built in where they can give people illusions and all the rest of it. And they also wear cloaks and hoods on their heads. It's a common thing. And how many tales of cloaks and hoods have you heard? Think about the Psy thing as well. Oh, well, anyway, I'll come back to that. They live underground in areas that are in isolated spots in forest, hills and mountains away from the human population. And that's often where you might find them. And they're living in underground units, yeah? Mm-hmm. I'll come back to that as well. Don't like dogs. Kill them on sight because if they get bit by a dog, apparently it's really dangerous for them. Okay. And they're very protective of the children. So if there's any humans that are armed nearby them or near the kids, they'll kill them or they'll, they'll have damage, damage them. And that's one of the thinking that a lot of the hunters who go missing, that's what, in these isolated areas, that's what's happened to them. Okay. That's what the beings have apparently told them anyway. And I know this all sounds a bit weird, but the profile is very, and I'll get on, the profile is really interesting when you start looking at it. Is, is it I'm, any weirder than all the stuff that's coming out over the last few years? Anyway, no, it's not really. no, no, that's right. But what I'm saying is, it, it, I, yeah. why I place a lot of faith in it when I've gone back and looked at a lot of cases, once you know what you're looking for, you can see a lot of these things. So, mm-hmm. as I say, they've got a lot of psychic sort of manipulation tools affecting people's sort of will and their ability to be controlled. So, you can make people see things. And make themselves look like other beings. So you can, that might be the dog man, might be Bigfoot, it might be all these other things. Mm. That feeling of fear people have, and all that. Well, I'll come back to that in a minute. Yeah. Interestingly, as well, the speech is a mixture of bird-like chirping and guttural growl sounds. They can speak in English or whatever. But that's and how many times we heard that with Bigfoot and all the rest of it. Yeah. That Japanese-sounding so. recording of Bigfoot. Uh, Buzzgrave Evans put one something on his YouTube channel and said, this is the Cryptos talk. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so I thought that was really interesting. Now, when people come near their underground homes and bases, they tend to defend them in various ways or protect them. They use sort of mental apparitions or illusions to scare people. They appear as creatures, the dog man might be the big dog or whatever, a bear, whatever. They do a lot of invisible stalking, which is a big feature of a lot of cases where people are out in the wilderness. They feel there's something there, a presence, yeah. but they can't see it. Uh, they appear through port portals to get people or behind people and seen doing that. 
And a crucial one, which we've heard a lot, they cause people a profound sense of fear. You know, that heart, heart that feeling. And also, in other mm. things, a profound sense of sort of well-being when they should be scared. But anyway, in this case, a profound sense of fear. Now, they've got a range of ships, sort of uh, different vehicles. Some that are like, almost like cars, not cars, but, you know, short, hot vehicles that are oblong. Some that are more circular, some that are triangular. But again, you can see these different things being deployed if you look at the in the different circumstances where they are. And uh, they also, and this will get all the paranormal people, they've got a habit of visiting humans in their homes, causing mischief and taking things. And he contends, most of the about a lot of the poltergeist and paranormal activity is actually these guys. Now, if you think back to some of the cases of the slight shimmer, things being yeah. moved in mischievousness, it's not as entirely crazy as you would think. And the idea that the, these creatures having red eyes that are seen could be the red eyes of the helmet. Yeah. So key takeaways there. Uh, and there's a lot of detail work. There's a, the book's brilliant, actually, Children of Orion. Uh, but he does goes into it a lot. And uh, so it take a real long time to unpack it. Also, listeners will have to bear with me a bit. But when you know the profile and you start applying it, it's amazing how, re how it's repeated across multiple cases. Once you know what you're looking for, I read yeah. to test this out. I read the Philip Mantle book on UFO landing books in UK that was out recently. Tony Dodd's book was another one, and I could see all these these things coming up again and again. Now I'll get onto this at the end, but obviously that might be he's just written a profile that does that yeah. like a horoscope. I get that could be it, and I'm, I accept that could be the case. But if it isn't, it's amazing once you start looking at it. There was one case in Manchester where these, these three-foot-odd beings with these black suits on helmets, red things, come out and started attacking all these people at a garden fake. So recorded case in the 80s. In, uh, I think, in fact, I think it was on your show. One of the guys talked about it. In fact, I remember hearing it on your show about two years ago. Yeah. And that case is a classic. If you think about these small beings, it was a classic case of that. It fitted all the things. You won't remember it now, Greg, but I remember listening to it because when I read about it again, I thought, I spoke to Ash UAP, Ash, you know, on Twitter, who we yep. a couple of times, and it, me and him were talking about it, saying hey, it's definitely the same profile because I've talked okay. to him a lot about yeah. this profile. Very interesting. Anyway, I'm getting a bit excited about that, that case. <laughs> but, yeah, so the other thing is uh, I think it could very well explain Skinwalker Ranch and cattle mutilations. Because the theory is on the cattle mutilations, like I said on the other program, is the reason they mutilate the cattle is they don't like the encroachment on the land. It's very protective for the bases and all that. Mm. And the skinwalker stuff, if you think it's multiple phenomena, and that's yes, where I was talking about this unified theory, think about all what this profile says. It's multiple. It's illusions. It's psych control. It's creatures. It's cryptids. And it's also all these other things happening. And you've also, from Skinwalker, you get the hitchhiker effect where yeah. these mists and dark yeah. beings, yeah, shadow that's, that's beings, right. that, turn up in people's houses. Yeah, that, yeah. So, so there's that. And uh, as I say, it sort of explains the appearance of the others over the years, you know, how they look and the possible crypto. I've sort of said that, I suppose, really, so I won't go on about that. Just thinking, I've got just look at my notes, if there's anything else. Uh and it also, it detected need to do that. So we talked about that, really. Talks about the shadow people and this military base. There's a lot of cases written about that. 
infiltration. And if we go back to that case that I talked about at the start of the program, this is in a military base. Nick Redford, in one of his other books, wrote about it. And this guy, the guy, he sort of shimmered into existence. And the guard seen him in looking at the these plans in this nuclear weapons sort of, uh, with all the plans and the nuclear weapons. And he went out again. Uh, and he sort of went out and zoned out again. Madness. But it was just, Crazy. had the helmet, yeah. had all the gear, black suit, like a cat suit. You know, same description. That's why, once it's very interesting. Uh, anyway. Uh, got a big link to slide nine and I have got slide nine I won't go into too much but let me just read you just quickly what it said on slide nine he said the science exists for an enemy of the US to manipulate both physical and cognitive environments in order to penetrate US facilities influence decision makers and compromise national security and it mentions psychotronic weapons which means weapons that control how you think Mm-hmm. Cognitive human interface, i.e., making you yeah. do something you don't want to do. Penetration of solid surfaces, the portal stuff. Again, instantaneous sensor disassembly, that's knocking things out like the nuclear weapons and all that, and pilots. Alteration, manipulation of biological organisms, that'd be Havana syndrome and whatever. Mm-hmm. Anomalies in the space time construct, stopping time and again, manipulating time and matter. Unique cognitive human interface experiences, which I presume is illusions. So it says, finally, DOD has been involved in similar experiments in the past. It has relationships with renowned subject matter experts, and the DOD controls several facilities where activities have been detected, which may skinwalker, maybe other facilities. Mm. The point is, knowing what we know now about the crypto profile and the crypto generally, does ring a few bells, doesn't it, in terms of that profile Absolutely. I've just read out. Yeah, it's very Absolutely. interesting, isn't it? Mm. And, and these guys, remember, this was a penetration to one of the one of the Senate committees, a closed session, talking about the Armed Services Committee, I think it was, talking about why it was important and the potential weapons application, or weapons threat, I don't think they were saying. Mm-hmm. But they obviously yeah. have to make it a bit interesting for the generals. But, uh, you know, that was... So there you go. That, so... I just thought people might find that interesting to think about slide nine. And finally, if you think about that Peruvian case, big nine foot tall things, silver suits floating off the ground, hit them with rifles, it doesn't affect them, and trying to abduct sort of teenage children to and face peeling and all. It's got a load of connections to me to this crypto profile, loads of them. 100%. So I, I yeah. thought that was really interesting. So uh, I just, because we can have a bit of a chat or whatever, but I'll just give you some brief conclusions mm. just to round it off. Yeah, please. I, I've written these down, so uh, bear with me. The first one, on the pro side, obviously the human resemblance and the tech not far ahead of ours is sort of pro the crypto theory, I think. Also explains a number of discrepancies that we've talked about, connects quite a lot of dots. I'm really short on it here, but and also... <laughs> Profile fits a lot of cases and ans- the profile talks about thoughts, fits a lot of and answers a lot of questions and maybe gives us a unified theory. The cons are, is it, and there's loads of these, and, and for the listeners, I'm aware of loads of I've thought about myself, so I've just tried to give you the sort of overview of the case and, and maybe at a future date we can get into more of why it might not be true, but yeah. just a couple. Is it really realistic to, for a civilization to live underground for that length of time? Could they cohere for that length of time? Uh, and why would they not do both, i.e. stay on 
top of the ground and on the ground. Why would you not do that? Is it? Is it? Is it? Now, if they were kept getting bumped off and they preferred it on the ground, that there may be a reason. Anyway, I won't. I'll just play it straight and just do the mm-hmm. do the con straight. Could they? Could they have really stayed in? Is that realistic? Why have they not simply eliminated us as a threat? Uh, maybe they didn't think of it uh, at the time. Maybe they didn't realize or <laughs> make mistakes. Uh, a profile, uh, it, as I say, I said this earlier, it might just be a case of constructing something that fits the facts and then make, you know, when I mean, you, sort of, you sort of make it up to fit what you've seen rather than it flowing away. So there could be a bit of that, and I'm aware of that. But there's loads of others, I'm sure. So this is just a bit of a taste, but it's really good as a counterfactual to create some new thinking about things. And I think yeah. if you go back to that thing where you and Ash were discussing it, this sort of thinking you could apply to a lot of things and it help, will help people, I think. I think it does offer that profile that I just finished on, which is why I wanted to get it in. It sort of gives the chance to set of that unified theory, you know, cryptids, mm. ghosts, paranormal, UAP. Not saying it's the whole answer, but interesting. And the other really intriguing thing for me from all this is that our science has somehow missed a massive things. And we're doing this this long-handed, labour-intensive, very brute force way of approach when there may be a much simpler path. So that's it for me, Greg, and you've done well wow. to. But it's a lot in it, and it's really yeah. interesting. So It's fascinating. Yeah. It's fascinating. One, it's interesting you talk about like the, the technology that we use. We, we use combustible to move so we've got the internal combustion engine we get to space by rockets which yeah. essentially is yeah big firework combustible engine yeah. Yeah, yeah just firing up into the sky which is kind of primitive yeah. considering we've talked about it before like just over 100 years ago or whenever the, the wright brothers were doing the the first manned flight just yeah. like essentially on a pedal bike with wings and now within 60 years we're on the moon and you just think well, how have we come so far so fast initially have we been in contact with other non-human intelligence do we have do we have knowledge that potentially they're trying to stop what's happened to them happening to us that's another thought that they're these warnings that like yeah. don't get too advanced don't because you think like you mentioned just then that why didn't they just wipe us out before we became whilst we were primitive that would have been ideal yeah. a few thousand years ago when we restarted again essentially after the last cataclysmic event why didn't they just take us out then they might have not. They might have wanted. To, they might have felt sorry for us, but they might have wanted to keep our gene pool around as well. Yeah, we, we're handy yeah, for them. Yeah, so I, we're I, in actual fact, we're just yeah. we're cannon fodder for yeah, their right, longevity. Yeah. And what what about um, what about the fact that you mentioned it in the article? We mentioned it that their technology is just that little bit advanced compared to us. Yeah. Why? Why is that? I mean, we, we've we got, you look back to pyramid times and they talked about the gods coming down on chariots of fire. Yeah. Um, maybe that was the crypto terrestrials yeah. helping to, to get them to a, a point in time which is helping them. Then we've gone a bit too far and we started creating 
nuclear weapons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which there are suggestions that that's happened in the past. Yeah, well, that the in, in the in India and in Africa yep. in bits, and that certainly there's one. I think yep. it's Mary Hendry. Looks like a nuclear blast has gone off radioactivity yeah. levels. I'm well, so not sure if there was, to... yeah, there was radioactivity in the end, but it looked like something had gone off as well. So do they get to a point where they, potentially this cycle, that they're showing themselves a little bit more because they probably feel we're a bit more ready for it? Yeah. They can't destroy us because if they, if it goes pear-shaped and they don't do it properly, like what you mentioned, that we, we would just go in with all guns blazing, yeah, yeah, yeah. potentially, yeah. and we just outnumber them. We yeah. just go via force rather than you throw enough people at it. You can see it in like Ukraine and Russia. Just Russia's just enlisting everybody, yeah. just throwing see troops at, it, that, at the thing. If we, you're right, because if we did it just by force and we've gone down this wrong path, spiritually mm. we're a bit rubbish. We're not in tune with the earth yep. and all the rest of it. We've got all these brute force methods that really destroy. It might just be we're a particularly bad bunch, and yeah. they could have seen the other ones die off quite easily because they wouldn't have damaged much because they'd, they'd been yeah. in tune with the planet and they had quite good tech but wasn't invasive. Yeah. But we're in tune with the gods. Yeah. And well, yeah, exactly. We're, but we're a load of trouble. And so they yeah. have to deal with us because we've got dirty nuclear. Well, I like nuclear. I can understand nuclear. But we've got very dangerous nuclear plants if they go yeah. off. Yeah. Massive industrial pollution, you know, massive sort of very labor-intensive force-based production. So, we're so they very can't afford environmentally damaged. Yeah, exactly. So they can't afford just to see us off. And if you can imagine, if it is indeed inevitable or it's convenient, you can see him saying to somebody saying, "Well, well you can save about two million. We'll help you." But I'm sorry, mm. the rest have had it. But even if they don't say that, there's definitely it's a new light on that nuclear link. Yeah, because definitely. it may well be it wasn't, but we were of interest because of what we've done. It was we were of interest because that meant that. We could do them in as well. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it not, was a self-preservation yeah, technique. Not out in the stars, but on the on the earth. So, so yeah. So, as I say, I don't. I I hold all these things in my mind, and I don't say, oh, it's definitely crypto. I'm be dogmatic about it, but it does help me think about what's happening sometimes and what it could be when I'm listening to things again without legislation and a few other things. It is useful to have in your back pocket, and. The connection is really interesting, as I say, this echo from the past that we see in UAP today is an absolutely fascinating idea. Mm. Yeah, uh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, very interesting. Cool. Well, thank you very much for a mind-blowingly <laughs> whistle-stop tour yeah. of it all, because I know we, we could have spoke for hours on this, Dave, but that a lot to, to digest. Some of it I... I was aware of some some we talked about before, but yeah, some of the the when you when you start looking at the different theories of how it slots in with the events that do take place in our history with UAP and uh, and some of these facilities, it, it does tick a lot of those boxes. Yeah, yeah. It does and I know you mentioned about. I mean, it doesn't sound too way out there considering mm. it. It helps to explain, like we were talking that the like interdimensional beings actually ticks a lot of boxes, so that things appear and disappear. But the crypto-terrestrial and the way they've interacted with us also ticks a lot of boxes. And it's a definite, definite aspect I'm going to continue looking at when 
new stuff comes out and go okay how does that yeah. fit in with that and that's yeah and that's its real use i think and mm. people you will find yourself and i know you you know a bit a lot of it anyway just for your, your general knowledge in the area yeah. but, but people who are listening if they know a lot or a little will find themselves they'll set this in and they'll probably cogitate yeah. and play with it a bit and it's a sort of yeah. thing you keep mulling over and it, it is really really useful well, listen, I, I, I'm re- I didn't say at the start, thanks for having us on, because I'm re- it's really good to be on again. You don't I'm, need to say thanks for no, having, no, no. having you on, because you, you're, you're part of the family, Well, I, I get that. I know, I know that. But it was, no, but it was, <laughs> I, I didn't want to sound, but it's good. And it's been really interesting. I mean, I've really enjoyed it. And yeah. I've probably written the most down what I've ever had for a thing there, <laughs> just, just to try and keep, because yeah. the structure is very important in trial, because it's quite elusive. Definitely. To tie it no, no, I think it's come across amazing yeah, from so. you uh, to to get that volume of information across in a way that people can follow it because it's there's a lot to take in and I think some people who have looked at it from the peripheries and uh, and maybe people who listen to Joe Rogan for example and he had a, a fascinating episode with Graham Hancock. Mm-hmm where he talks about yeah. some of the, the younger Dryas and, and the cataclysmic events. And I know we didn't really touch on yeah. Atlantis, which is a whole other yeah. bit. And this ticks all of those boxes. The ancient civilization thing does yeah. does go there. And, yeah. and Graham Hancock's got a Netflix series called Ancient Civilizations. That's well worth a, yeah. a watch. It, it just, it's just fascinating yeah, to yeah, see... Yeah somebody else's take on things yeah. and your take on it there you you need your own netflix series dave <laughs> yeah yeah that'll be yeah <laughs> yeah basically dave thinks yeah yeah man from sulfur <laughs> with his, the answer to the universe why no, not but i think what would be good and i know we're going to get off now boys it might be good if we might want to do just a bit of a not a round table but a discussion session like yeah. you do sometimes with Ashton and Jorvis. yeah on this subject and just yeah. if people listen to it then we can just have a chat about some of the areas and we've also talked if people are into it if the listeners be into it, doing something on the ancient civs as well as we plan to do definitely uh, that'd, that'd be uh, fascinating that'd be it's something really cool. that i i would be yeah. well up for talking about yeah. i love i yeah, love yeah. all that sort of stuff so yeah thank you very uh, listen, much Dave. thanks a lot greg and i've really enjoyed that and uh, a pleasure yeah, as always okay. thanks a lot mate see you later cool. cheers. cheers mate bye, bye. Pursuit of the Paranormal with Ash and Greg.